Welcome in to the sequel episode for Monday, December 14th. We are going to carry on, so if you have not heard the main broadcast, if you landed on this because it was on the top of your podcast search engine, well, just go back one and you'll hear the main one for today. This is really part two, or as we are calling it, overtime because we're extending the conversation, but we've covered the gist of what's going on today. In here, we'll expand on some things because there's just so much that's fascinating. So for those of you who didn't have enough after the first 10 minutes, why, here we go. We'll do some more. This is where astrology just gets fascinating to me because we have this big, huge marker. And this is typical of things that you'll see in readings, too, in in our individual charts, And I am doing readings. I'll go ahead and put the plug in here. Why not? Go to soulfoodtalks.com to the astrology shop and you'll see how you can book a reading if you'd like to. You see themes start to develop in somebody's chart. When you look around that theme and you start to look for it in other places, then you find it all over. And that's what I just really, that's when I love doing readings is when those come out because it's like, wow, the chart is just showing you things over and over and over. Well, that's happening here on a micro basis because we have the big theme of Saturn-Jupiter. I mean, that's the big oracle in the sky. Right now, the sky is focused on, it's almost like the whole sky is just honoring this process. I read an interesting article on it over the weekend that around this idea that this could have been the Christmas star when the three astrologers, you know, the manger scene has three astrologers, even though statistically about 75% of the population doesn't believe in astrology, yet we go to Walmart and we buy our manger scene. We're sticking astrology in our front yards or up on our roof because the astrologers were the magi, Persian astrologers. What did they say? They brought the gifts to the king because they said, we saw his star in the east. Oh, you want something interesting since we're just doing bonus chit-chat? What, think about that Bible verse. So the, the Magi said, we saw his star in the east. Houston, we've got a problem. When they made that declaration or that statement, they were standing in modern-day Israel. They traveled from ancient Persia, modern-day Iran. They said, we followed his star to the place, but we saw it in the east, but Israel is west of Iran. However, if you've been following this conjunction in the chart through the sky, you know that when Saturn and Jupiter become visible in the sky, it is in the eastern side of the chart. Ooh, Were they making a declaration that they were actually looking at the chart and following the star? Then, when they went outside and found it in the sky, they followed it to the west. Ladies and gentlemen, you can't make this stuff up. (laughs) I love that one. I love that one. But this article was talking about some of the ramifications or possibilities that this was indeed the Christmas star. I found another thing on Twitter last week where a lady who specializes in Egyptian astrology had these two figures standing side by side in a particular tomb, and it dated back to the mid-1400s, and they were signifying Saturn and Jupiter. She was saying that that was the first recorded or documented conjunction of these two planets. And if you have an ephemeris that goes back that far, you can roll it back, and sure enough, 
That's the time frame. But the big deal, as we mentioned, is that this is moving from Earth to air. Now, this will be a big cusp. This is not, you know, the world is not going to completely change by Friday. Don't think that that's what we're talking about. We're not. But we are looking at a whole new governing paradigm that will start to emerge. Earth is out. Air is in. This is where you can start to use these macro themes of astrology. Remember when we came back from our little sabbatical back in November and said that I was going to focus more on the big themes of the outer planets as triggered by the movements of the inner planets? And this is exactly what we're talking about. So the eclipse today is the oracle of Saturn and Jupiter. Here's another really fun, cool concept. If you take your birth chart on the day that you were born, And you roll it up to, you change the hour times. Now, you have to have some software that does this fairly easily or it gets a little cumbersome. But if you have something that can progress or advance the chart or move it backwards, you run it back to where the sun crosses the horizon on the day of your birth. So if you were born at 11.52 p.m., (laughs) you'd roll it all the way back to, you know, 6.30, 7.30, whatever time it was. And that is the point of your ascendant. Now, if you're looking at a uh, Placidus chart, that is going to be the cusp of the first house. If you're looking at an equal house system or a whole sign house system, that will be a mark on the chart. It will be a point on the chart as labeled AS for ascendant. And that's the sunrise point. Well, what you look for is right before the sun crosses the ascendant, what was the, the next planet up in the sky? So what was toward the 12th house from that ascendant point? That last planet is your oracle planet. In other words, it was the last planet to cross the horizon before the sun came up on the day of your birth. It's called the oracle planet. And it's like that planet was oracling or saying to the world, hey, John is coming. <laughs> you know, it's, hey, Thomas is coming. And it's a cool metaphor because then if you look at that planet, mine is Mercury. Go figure. Communication. I mean, what are we doing? We're sitting here rambling. But <laughs> it's like I, even 61 years later, have not been able to grow out of it. I tried a couple of times. It didn't work. <laughs> and Mercury rules my chart. It's the chart ruler. It's the ruler of my Gemini ascendant. So you see how these things fit together so beautifully? Well, the oracle of what's happening over this week's span, the next seven or eight days, is setting the pace for this brand new change. And I just think it is so incredibly significant that the moon is on its own. It is being wonky, wonkified as we make the announcement of Saturn and Jupiter, both moving into Aquarius this week and conjoining at zero degrees, starting this new 200-year cycle. So what does this look like? Well, I'm going to give credit where credit is due to my friend Steve Forrest. And it wasn't that I had, that I had this in advance. I literally went to Google and I was trying to find some, some stuff that I could condense, and it was just impossible. There's too much. But if you search out-of-bounds moon Stephen Forrest, you will get the article. It'll be right up at the top of your search. And this was originally published 
about 10 years ago in the Mountain Astrologer, which is like the Bible of astrological knowledge. And I apologize for keeping quoting Stephen Forrest, but you know, I was thinking about this this morning before I recorded, and it was it's like, you know, I have, over the last about 10 years, the two biggest influences in my life have been Fred Dodson, and I've narrated 28 audiobooks for Fred, and now, with the astrology, Stephen Forrest. Well, I mean, these are giant individuals who have done amazing work, and they're incredible teachers, and they're good people. And you know, when you surround yourself with that kind of caliber, it's going to rub off. And I look at where I am in my life right now, and I'm just like, pinch me. I didn't think seven or eight, 10, 12 years ago when I was going through my dark night of the soul, and that's what's chronicled in the Subconscious Mind Mastery podcast. Started episode one, if you haven't been over there. I mean, I, I talk about the whole thing. But I didn't think I would make it out, you know, much less be where I am today. And that's because of the people that I have been in, highly influenced by over the last seven or eight years. So when you hear me mention them, a lot of it is obviously attributing something to where credit is due and also just because I appreciate the influence that they've had in my life. But here are some of these out-of-bounds qualities, nine of them per Steve Forrest, with some examples of each one. One of them is, I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm leaving. So now, typically this would be around uh, somebody who was born with these in their natal chart, where the moon is out of bounds in their natal chart. You have to look. You have to look at the declinations is the area where you go. Um, and that would, for most people, would require uh, an astrological reading to kind of sort that out. But somebody has the moon out of bounds in their natal chart. They might be one to kind of watch for a back door. Personally, I don't have any out of bounds planets, but I've always had that tendency. And I don't know where it, I guess it comes from my little stellium. But here are some examples. 1960s music star Cat Stevens basically walked away from his music to follow the Muslim faith. Henry David Thoreau, this individual with so much wanting to come out of him, walks away from society and goes and lives in a cabin at Walden Pond. Kurt Cobain, suicide at the height, the peak of his career. Queen Victoria withdrew from public 40 years, for 40 years after her husband died. Another characteristic is groundbreaking genius. I don't know if Elon Musk has an out-of-bounds moon, but that's a typical, prototypical thing of what we're talking about. Just somebody who thinks so far out the, of the box and then makes it happen. Albert Einstein did have an out-of-bounds moon. How about Babe Ruth? Broke some constraints of baseball, too, didn't he? Another application of this is just changing social constraints. So here are some people who had out-of-bounds moons. Oprah Winfrey, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Jesse Ventura. See, out-of-bounds social constraints. Here's somebody who reinvented television. Here is somebody who, boy, came from another culture, another country, had to learn the language, became a movie star, and then changed, kind of left. Again, he didn't completely leave it, but, you know, segued into becoming a governor. Edgar Mitchell, the moon astronaut who turned into basically the guy who founded IONS and became a psychic researcher. 
Christopher Reeve. He played Superman and then ended up in a wheelchair. The shadow side can involve criminal or sociopathic behavior. Several examples of that. Mike Tyson, the heavyweight boxing champion who couldn't seem to stay out of trouble. The Yorkshire Ripper, Peter Sutcliffe. Roman Polanski, film director, pedophile. Mobster, Lucky Luciano. About John Wilkes Booth, who killed Abraham Lincoln. And then on the other side of that, you have, quote-unquote, nice outlaws. (laughs) Like uh, Camilla Parker Bowles, Prince Charles, right? Or American pioneer Davy Crockett. Or how about this list of musicians? Willie Nelson, (laughs) you can't make this stuff up, Jimmy Buffett, and Tom Waits. (laughs) And then you have theological or spiritual outlaws like Ram Dass, as mentioned earlier, Cat Stevens, Stephen King, Warner Earhart, the founder of EST Training, which became Landmark Education. And with this, you can also have just somebody who is a real character, (laughs) I mean, like a real break-the-mold character. Uh, Yoko Ono is on the list. Again, we mentioned already Jesse Ventura. Casanova, the greatest lover in history. Amelia Earhart. Al Sharpton. And then taken to the ultimate extreme, people who are literally out of this earth, out of this world. Yuri Gagarin, the first man in space. We mentioned Edgar Mitchell already. And Leonard Nimoy, Mr. Spock, possibly the world's most familiar alien. (laughs) That's some stuff from Steve Forrest's article, so that's, that's fun. But most importantly, do you get the picture? We are likely to be in for some very interesting times. Now, a couple of other things. I wanted to talk about planetary strength. This is something that we don't normally talk about. But through the month of December... Saturn has been the dominant planetary energy, basically, and will continue through the end of the month. But here's what's significant. Again, beginning the end of this week, actually this coming weekend, not this week, but the weekend, Mars starts to really escalate as far as planetary energy and basically will be sitting shoulder to shoulder with Saturn. Now, Mars and Saturn in ancient astrology, you know, were the bad boys. They were the problem children. So tuck that away. The other thing we didn't get to were the aspects today. So we do have a void, of course, moon. And it starts the minute after the eclipse. I mean, this is just so wild. It's amazing. So the moon doesn't make any more aspects from 1117 Eastern Time All the way to 10.35 p.m. Wow. Could you throw anything else at this? (laughs) This is incredible. All right. Here are a couple of other aspects that we're looking at today. So we've talked about the moon squaring Neptune. So that's like the whole fuzzy vision, inauthenticity, being inauthentic, looking at the world through foggy lenses, not being true to yourself, not being honest with the way things are. We talked about that on Friday. Mercury. Mercury is sitting right on top of this eclipse as well. I guess that's one thing we could throw on there is we could have thrown a Mercury retrograde and a moon wobble onto this thing, couldn't we? (laughs) Uh, No, thank you. (laughs) Glad we're stopping where we are. But yeah, the moon and sun obviously are close to a conjunction with Mercury, I would expect that that is going to have some impact, 
absolutely for sure. Kind of like when Mercury came through back in the spring and transited through Capricorn and then turned retrograde kind of as COVID broke out. Now, fortunately, Mercury is not retrograde right now, but it is kind of that idea that Mercury can trigger things. It is fast. And likely we will see some things around, you know, communication or intellectual things, knowledge, uh, could be some themes from this. And I am going to take the long view with this eclipse, too. I mean, we're looking at not today only, but we're looking at the six month and then obviously the longer lunar cycles, which extend into multiple years. This is a package. This is a whole package of stuff coming together. The moon trines Mars today. That's 7.14 a.m. Eastern time. That combined with the eclipse itself at 11.16 in fire. So there was our fire fire that we talked about on Friday. With the keywords for today, you might feel just really peacocky today, but don't be too much. (laughs) That would be the advice. Stay meditative through the day. But if you do feel strong and empowered, be sure to have a journal with you. Be sure you have something that you can capture those ideas. And hopefully you can put something into action today. You can be thinking about what is the one thing that I could do, boom, now to move something forward. Another one at 4 o'clock this afternoon is Venus sextiles Jupiter. There's the love at first sight. There it is (laughs) from the keywords. Yeah, so something around, wow, something about relationship, beauty, obviously, things that are on the creative side. Great day to expand your creative projects today for sure. And possibly something around money. If you trade the market like I'm going to be doing today, you might just pop a few in the green column. And then since Mercury is conjunct to the sun and the moon, that makes it also trined to Venus. So if you do fall in love at first sight today, say something. (laughs) It makes me think of that little Seinfeld skit, Do the Opposite. I mention that a lot because I love it. I think it's some of the best psychological advice in the world. If you're not getting what you outcomes you want, do the opposite. So George goes over to the pretty girl at the lunch counter and he says, Hi, my name is George. I don't have a job and I live with my parents. And she says, oh, hi, my name is Rachel or Rebecca or whatever it is. It's like that's the idea. Just go say it anyway. Well, I hope that that's been a bit of a help to extrude some of these things. This is really, really huge, and I think you get a better, fuller, more embellished picture now of exactly where we are and why this is all such an important time in our history, in our lives, and on our planet. So thanks for staying with it all the way to the end. I will see you again in the morning. Take care. Have a good Monday. Enjoy the eclipse. Bye-bye.